Welcome to each and every one of you here at Charters Towers Christian Outreach Centre. We were talking before the service, the church alive is worth the drive and the gentleman here has come from, the, from Canberra this morning to be with us. Isn't that fantastic, eh? Give him a big round of applause. <clears throat> we like some people from Canberra, that's true, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes, I like that, so... But for all those also joining us online with our podcast service, we, we trust that God is going to bless you real good this Father's Day uh, special morning. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. Uh, give a jab in the shoulder to the nearest father and say, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to you. Being Father's Day, it's impossible to ignore the whole concept of fatherhood and sonship, because, because it is really the bedrock of life, isn't it? It's the bedrock of the family, the Christian faith, and what we call the Trinity. God the Father is one of the three persons who make up the Godhead. God the Father, of course, then there's God the Son and God the Holy Spirit who created the heavens and the earth, as scriptures testify. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the Hebrew word for God used in that instance is the word, the Hebrew word Elohim. Can you say Elohim? Elohim. There you go. You're now Hebrew. There you go. Wonderful. It's a plural term. Elohim is a plural term. And it means, and it's God's already alluding in his word to the plural nature of God himself in the word that he used in that very verse, first verse of the Bible. In Genesis 1.26, God does it again in his word. And it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Have you ever picked up on that before? And so there it is again. And so in Genesis 3.22 and other places, you'll see similar references. And it says, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And so there is that plural nature that God is alluding to even in the early chapters of the Bible, and it's called the Trinity. It says the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, these three persons in one, all being co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son, John 5, 1 John 5, 7 in the King James Version states that these three are one. And it's a bit of a difficult concept for a, a lot of us to get around in our mind. The three members of the Godhead are mentioned in 2 Corinthians 13, 14 in unity and in an apparent equality, not being subordinate to one another. You have the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-powerful, co-organizing things. The Trinity... God, a three-part being, can be seen in many places in nature, and we take it without even a second thought. What about the fact that we are body, soul, and spirit? That makes up our nature, doesn't it? And our soul, three parts, mind, will, and emotions. We take that for granted, don't we? A simple explanation of the Trinity, you can see it as in a picture of a simple egg, it's, an, it's a simple illustration of something that is whole in itself, but has three distinct parts. And we take it for granted every morning when we have breakfast, don't we? And we can see the, with, the, with the egg, there's the outer shell, and there's the white, 
And then there's a yolk, and we call it in unison an egg. But it's really a three-part or made up of three parts. A CD player also is a great illustration, really, of the Godhead. I was thinking about that this morning, and I thought I'd use that. So you could see that, well, that's God. And then inside here, you have a CD. That's true, isn't it? Inside here, we got a CD. You know what it looks like. And then we plug this thing in, let the power of heaven flow through it, a constant flow of electrons, and then the sound comes out. And so all three parts of that need to function for us to be able to hear music, isn't it? So you've got the CD player, the CD, and then the sound that comes forth from it. So this idea that three things in one is not totally unique with just being God. And so, so too are all members of the Godhead needed for God to function as the Bible describes. And when speaking of our Heavenly Father, I'd like for us to go to the Gospel of John. And if you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to bring them with you. And uh, I'm just going to be flicking through a couple of chapters there, probably 14, 15, 16, and 17, just at different places. And you think, well, why go to the Gospel of John? I found the Gospel of John is one of the most unique writings in all of the Bible. It's very, very different to just about all the other writings in the Bible. It's different to the other three Gospels, for instance, which give you more or less like a a chronology of the ministry of Jesus. But John's Gospel is John the mystic. And you see the language of John. You know, he's called the Apostle of Love. And he is the one that lent his head on Jesus' breast, not only just hearing, but feeling the heartbeat of Jesus. And his gospel is like that. His gospel hears the heartbeat of Jesus. It's filled with the words like love. More than half the references in the Bible to the word believe or believing and faith are mentioned in the Gospel of John. And also more than 122 to 132 references of the word father. This is Father's Day, folks, and that's why I'm going to be referencing. And I want to encourage you to read the Gospel of John through the lens of the Father. And you'll, receive, and you'll read it in an entirely different perspective. And, uh, and in addition to other words used by John, also in his letters 1, 2, and 3, is this beautiful word, abide, which is very quite unique to John's Gospel. Very, very different to all the others. And so the relationship between the Son, Jesus, and the Father and the flow on to us occurs over and over and over again. And Jesus said in John 10.30, I and my Father are one. So there is a great thing to see straight from the outset there. When you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. A lot of people said, Philip said, show us the Father. And he says, have I been with you all this time and you still need to see? He says, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Amen. So this is coming from the Father heart of God. John 14, 9, he who has seen me has seen the Father. That's written in red. Huge parts of the whole Gospel of John are all written in red. Almost entire chapters are all written in red, meaning they are the very, very words of Jesus himself. And so when the Holy Spirit descended in the form of dove, of a dove, all three members of the Trinity are present. 
Remember that? Jesus is getting baptized by John. And then, the, and then a dove came and sat on Jesus. And then the voice from heaven says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so you see three members of the Trinity all present at that glorious time. Amen? It's wonderful. When you go down to the Jordan today, not everywhere where you go, but down the Jordan, you'll see doves everywhere. Still to this day, the doves are still there. Amazing, isn't it? So the Father fully endorses, accepts, and loves Jesus as the Son at his baptism in the Jordan when he says, this is my beloved Son. It was God's endorsement of his Son. And I encourage you, fathers, to endorse your children and uh, that's what the bible teaches us doesn't it in uh, ephesians chapter 6 doesn't it when it brings the uh, holy order of divine family how god would instruct it not how 60 minutes not abc not our education system but god has a divine structure for families he has ordained it from the beginning of time till now it hasn't changed because this generation thinks it should change Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Amen. That truth, that plumb line of truth does not change from one generation to the other just because one generation thinks he can shrug it off for some reason. Amen. And so from the outset, at the mention of the word father, we all have had different life experiences from our earthly fathers. These can often be negative or positive influences, and I'd like to say from the outset, but there are no perfect fathers on earth, amen, except God the Father. In addition, it's not Mother's Day, but there are no perfect mothers. I know this comes as a shock to some people, but there's also no perfect children. <laughs> and there seems to be a current thing from the Simpsons and onwards for father bashing. It's very, very common these days, and one of the most... Oh, one of the most uh, oh, endangered species right now is a father, amen? The whole world seems to be down on top of fathers for anything and everything. It's not scriptural. It says, honour your fathers. That's what the Bible says. Honour your father. In their imperfection, God says to honour your father. I know this is difficult because not all fathers do things that are honourable. But we as children, we also have failings, every one of us, Amen. So if there are no perfect fathers, no perfect mothers, and no perfect children. And, uh, but I'd like to say from the outset, when looking to Father God, don't let a, perhaps a negative experience of your own fathers, amen, which we can all have, cloud your vision of your heavenly Father. That would be so wrong. It's understandable why we do it, but you should never have a negative image of God the Father. And Matthew 5, 48, and Jesus says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Who here has got a perfect natural father? Oh, nearly got a hand. I don't see any hands right now, amen? No hands at all. We all acknowledge, i got a fantastic dad. He passed away a few months ago. Amazing man, great father. I love my father. But I know he wasn't perfect either. And I wasn't a perfect son, I can tell you. And so, but the failings of man does not nullify the perfection and goodness of God. Don't let your failings of your own parents or this or grandparents or 
other horrendous situations which can occur and do occur, don't let it cloud your vision of your heavenly Father who is perfect. Jesus praying in Gethsemane before his betrayal, he addresses in John 17, 25, he says, O righteous Father. Jesus calls him righteous. In other places, he calls him perfect. In other words, nobody else can do that. James 1, 7 puts it this way. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father. Isn't that? Every good and perfect gift, whatever good and perfect thing you see in your natural father, it comes from God. Amen? That which is not perfect does not come from God. That's simple, isn't it? Very simple. And so the word father or dad is one of the first words a child will ever speak. They will say mom or we will say dad as a child. That's true, isn't it? In every nation around the world, every tribe and nation, the first words that any person, any baby will speak will be father or mother. The Hebrew word father is actually an Aramaic word and it's Abba or Av is the Hebrew word, but Abba is the Aramaic word which they all use. To this day, when you go to Israel, you can go down and there's children just absolutely everywhere, which is a prophetic fulfillment of the scriptures that there will once again be children in the streets more so than you see here in in uh, downtown charters towers literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children you will see in the streets down there at israel and they would hear him saying abba 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 it's just lovely to hear because you can hear the scripture there you know so jesus applied this toddler baby talk that's what it is when we say Abba, it is toddler baby talk. And he uses that baby talk word to his divine father in one of his deepest prayers before sweating drops of blood. You say, could I ever say Abba, Father? In our language, we'd be saying Daddy God. That's how we would be praying, Daddy God. Not Father. Oh, that sounds too aloof. It would be Daddy Daddy, can you imagine Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He is sweating drops of blood. He knows what's coming his way. It's all been prophetically foretold. 456 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the person of Jesus Christ, fulfilled in one person. Oh, I thought that was my phone, but it's not, thank goodness. I won't embarrass you, Asha, it's okay. <laughs> Daddy God. When was the last time, I had to think myself this morning, when was the last time that I prayed, Daddy God? It's something that we don't, it's a little bit foreign, isn't it? We think, oh, that's childish. But that's how Jesus prayed, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. The Holy Spirit teaches us in Paul. Paul said this in Romans 8.15 to call God Abba, which means Daddy. That's what he said. He said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy God, Daddy God. You see the simplistic and beautiful and innocent way that we can pray before the Father. In that, that scripture also raises then another beautiful thing, the spirit of adoption. We think, I don't want to be adopted. I don't want to be adopted. I want to be, I want to be 
But the thing is with adoption, God is showing us in adoption, you are selected. Isn't that interesting? You are select in the process of adoption, you select. The father selects the child. And that's why we're adopted into the family of God by a heavenly father. We are selected. You see, it, break, it doesn't bring a disgrace to you that you have been you're like an orphan being adopted into the family of God, but you are given a privilege and you are selected. Isn't that beautiful? We think it in a, as in, in a negative turn that we were orphans or being selected like this, but it's not. It's in a positive way. And the same for, our, for us to cry out to our daddy, daddy God. I'm too macho to call out to daddy God. What was that? Could you think that? I'm too macho. I'm too cool. I'm, I've got it all together. I don't need to call out daddy God, do I? And uh, well, God doesn't seem to think so. Because his own son prayed to him in his deepest prayer in the Gethsemane experience. And with vehement cries, it says in the other gospel accounts of Matthew, vehement cries, in other words, Jesus is pleading with the Father, Daddy God, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In the, Jesus' greatest need, he's crying out, Daddy God. It's Father's Day. And God wants us to be his children. And we are his children. But just come so innocently and so beautifully when you have a need, cry out to the Father in the most simplest of terms. In Ephesians 2.18, for through him, that's Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And so we see in Ephesians 2.18 that once again, all members of the Trinity are mentioned. Isn't that wonderful? And we have access by one spirit. And so the Father, through Jesus Christ, so John's gospel reveals Jesus to us as he is. And, but, but Jesus is also saying, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so the great seven I am's of the gospel of John, they're also in this gospel. It's an incredible gospel. I encourage you, if you've not read it recently, read it, read it in the next few days. John 6.35 and other places, I am the bread of life. This is the Father speaking. You see, provision comes through the Father. But this is Jesus speaking. He says, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what Jesus is doing here when he says, I am, I am, I am, I am, he's showing the attributes of the Father through himself. And so in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world, dispelling darkness. In John 10, I am the door of the sheep. The door means that he provides access. The Father always provides access to a home for us all. Isn't that true? I am the good shepherd, which makes us sheep. Oh, we love that bit, don't we? <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. What about I am the way, the truth and the life? In other words, there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. Amen? That's, oh, that's Father's Day at its best, isn't it? Through the person of Jesus, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, but there is no access to the Father except through the Son. And John 15, I am the true vine. Amen? I am the true vine. But in addition to that, Jesus reveals who God is through himself when he says once again, John 10, 30, bring this scripture up again. I and my Father are one. 
one person, one person. All the I am's are the attributes of your father, Daddy God. I'd like to just go quickly to perhaps uh, John 14. I'm just going to whisk through some, some, through some scriptures here because I'd like you to read John in the next couple of days through the lens of this one word, Father. And you'll be amazed how many times this word occurs. He says, let not your heart, this is in, in uh, John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. See, a God, a Father always provides, he always protects. And that is the, that is the job description of the Father. I go to prepare a place to you, place for you. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. And verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said, have you, I've been with you so long, and you have not known me, Philip? Who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? It just goes do uh, you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. See, it goes chapter after chapter. It is written exactly like this. On average, the Gospel of John has the word Father in it roughly about 10 times on average. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Then it goes down to verse 12. Uh, greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Verse 13, and whatever you ask my father, that I will do, that the father may be glorified in the son. Isn't it glorious, isn't it? This is Father's Day. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And uh, in verse 16, and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. And uh, the spirit of truth in verse 17. Oh, it goes on and on. And in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Who sent the Holy Spirit? It was the Father who sent the Holy Spirit. He also sent the Son. You see how they're co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful. It is a great, there is no better team in heaven or on earth than this trinity called the Godhead. Oh, it's glorious stuff. In John chapter 15, you have all the abides in me, abiding in Christ, abiding in me, abiding in the vine. Unless you abide in me, you can produce nothing. And so abiding and fruit. So I think there's about nine or ten references there about abiding in chapter 15. But then it comes back into chapter 16 and we see the word Father, 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 Father over and over again. In verse 25 and 16 it says, I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask my name and I do not say that, that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. Verse 28, I came forth from the Father, have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So you see, and, and then you have chapter 17 is just filled with the Father language of God, the Father heart of God. And so amazing stuff. I will go quickly through it again. So and now, Father, glorify me with yourself, with the glory which I had 
uh, before the world was. There was a previous reference as well. Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me. And there it goes, about another four or five references in there. So incredible stuff when you just really... I would ask you to write that word Father over the Gospel of John and read it through that lens of that word to get an idea of the Father heart of God for you and for your life. If you want to be a good father, there could be no better gospel to have a look at than those things. In John 14, 6, we know we cannot know the Father apart from the Son. Let's go to 14, 6 and just clarify that, what I'm saying there. And so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man, read that again, no man comes to the Father except through me. There are other fringe Christian uh, uh, groups, or call themselves Christian groups, but they do not acknowledge the person of Jesus Christ. They have a faith in God, but not through the person of Jesus Christ. And John in his letters calls this the Antichrist. He said, well, that's harsh, isn't it? Anybody who does not acknowledge the, the Father and the Son, that is an antichrist spirit. Amen? That's what it says. That's what the Word of God says. And so, but in John 17, 9 to 10, it says, what is our job description? We are here to glorify Him. And so that's part of our job description. God is glorified in us. Does that surprise you? God is glorified through your life. Isn't it beautiful, isn't it? God is glorified. When you pray, it glorifies God. When you come together in fellowship and get along and play in the sandpit well together with one another, we glorify God. When we pray for others, when we pray, when we worship, uh, we glorify God. Um, in closing, then we said we live on also a divine timetable. And uh, David acknowledged this. And it is the Father's timetable. We think we live on our own timetable. Uh, but I trust you, you come to realise that you don't have to live very long, that it's not our timetable at all. So, uh, David said in Psalm 31, he says, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Jesus acknowledged in the Garden of Gethsemane that his time was in the Father's hands. Even Jesus' time, there was an appointed time when Jesus came to the earth. It says that. There was an appointed time. There was an also an appointed time in God's time clock, not Jesus' time clock, but it was the Father's time clock. And, uh, and so Jesus acknowledged his divine timeline in John 17, 1. Let's quickly go there. You can speak about the things of the Father. That It is such an in-depth topic. I'm only just glossing over things. Jesus spoke these words, lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. In other words, it was not his timeline, but he acknowledged the Father's will. Amen? Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. And in regard to that, if Jesus' timeline was not ordained by himself, we too have a divine timeline that the Father has appointed for us. Isn't that sober, a sobering thought? 
You have an appointed timeline also of departure from this earth. Our steps, Psalm 37 verse 23, are ordered by the Lord. In other places he says he counts our steps. In another word, he numbers our thoughts and knows our thoughts. And in addition to that, he knows the very breath that we breathe. He knows the last breath and when we will be taking it. You see, there is an ordered timeline for our life as well. And nothing, you can take all the pills on the earth that you want. You can ride your bike from here to Perth and back again. You could go to Darwin either. But some of these things don't give us, they give us a better quality of life. But often they will not even give us one day more longer than the Lord appoints. Amen. Not one day longer. Not one day longer. And so... God's people, I, I, I saw this this morning, God's people are the Father's gift to his Son. And we have never acknowledged this very much. Believers, that's you and I, are the Father's gift. Our Heavenly Father has given us to his Son, Jesus. And you say, well, can I substantiate that in Scripture? Let's go to John 17, 2, and let's read it for ourselves, because it's an extraordinary thought. Because we are used to the idea that God gave to us his only begotten son in John 3, 16. Everybody knows that scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But we are not used to the idea that God also gave us to his only begotten son. Isn't that a great, incredible thought? You are a gift from God to Jesus. And he didn't purchase at a dollar store, cash converters, or a $2 store anywhere. We are a precious possession. You and I are a precious possession that God has given to Jesus. Can I uh, go over a couple of scriptures? Because this is a new concept for me to understand. And it says, Father, the hours come, he says, uh, that your son may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. The father has given you to Jesus. Never have before have I seen it so clearly. Let's go to verse chapter 6. I, this is Jesus praying. It's nearly a whole chapter written in red. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Look at that. God has given you and I to Jesus. It's an incredible thought. Let's go to verse 9. Perhaps you've never seen this as I hadn't. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. There it is again. You are a gift from God. To Jesus, that's got to make your day, surely. Give the person the person a nudge to you and say, you're a gift from God to Jesus. Have you? Oh, come on. David, you're a gift from... Oh, that's stretching. Yes, you are. You are a gift from God. Julia, you are a gift from God to Jesus. How beautiful is that? Have you ever seen it in that light before? Let's go on to say, it says seven times, Jesus, it states that Jesus that the believers are the Father's gift to his Son. Let's go to verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. 
keep through your name those who you have given me. There it is again. Have you missed this before yourself? You are a gift from God to Jesus from the Father. It's beautiful, isn't it? Let's go to verse chapter, uh, verse 12. It goes on, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, those whom you gave me. Beautiful, isn't it, Asher? You're a gift from God to Jesus. And he didn't purchase us at a dollar store. Oh, no, he didn't. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me for your love before the foundation of the world. Beautiful scriptures. It places a great value on every single person here today. God loves you so beautifully. He, you are adopted into his family, meaning that you were selected. Okay, That is the value, the intrinsic value of every single person here today. And so do you think for a moment that God gave his only son, Jesus, a dodgy gift from a dollar store? Don't turn to the person next to you and say, you're a dodgy gift from a dollar store. No way in the world. You are not a dodgy gift. Sometimes you might feel like you're a bit of a dojo, but that's not how Jesus sees it, and that's certainly not how God the Father sees it. You are a treasured possession, and you are a beautiful, present tense, you are a beautiful gift to Jesus. Oh, a treasured possession. You are a treasured possession. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. That's what it says. And so you're even a perfect gift. How can that be? We are perfected in Jesus. Amen? We're washed by the blood of the Lamb. The other lens that we look through when we look at our brothers and sisters is we see people through the lens of the blood. Because through the blood, we're all perfected. Without the blood, we do look dodgy. But seen through the lens of the rose-colored glasses of the cross, we are perfected in Christ in God. It's a, good, it's a good message. And you should feel good. You should feel good. Oh, I'm a treasured possession. I'm a highly valued. God gave me as a beautiful gift to Jesus. It's incredible. And so there's uh, two stories I'd like to bring you clearly here uh, uh, before I, before I wind up, and, uh, and, and it is t I'm speaking to fathers right now and to those who are in authority over others. And we all, whether we like it or not, have an influence over people. Whether you want to or not, we all have an influence. And so a lot of people say, oh, it's my life, I live it how I want. It's very, very clear from reading scriptures, the Bible supports it, that no man is an island. In other words, what we do, what we think, what we say, how we live our life affects and influences other people whether you like it or whether you don't. And so with that comes a responsibility as parents, as fathers, as mothers. Amen? Particularly fathers because we're called to be priests of our home. In other words, a, a spiritual influence over all of our homes. It's a it's a, a position of responsibility and one that we shouldn't run from. It's a terrible thing when men run from their spiritual authority. But there was a young man and he lived a, and, he, and he's, him and his son lived in a, in a log cabin, I think somewhere in the States or in Canada. And uh, I heard this story that, uh, about 30 years ago 
And uh, the, the, young man, uh, the young man wanted to go into town. It had been snowing. He said to his young boy, he said, stay in the cabin, lock the door and do not come out. He says, I'm going to be away for a few hours, but do not follow me and do not come after me. Keep that door locked and stay in the house. And so the young boy, uh, after playing a bit and everything like that and amusing himself for quite a long time, he became bored. He became tired and he became hungry. And late in the afternoon, he went against his father's uh, uh, orders, if you wish. But he was left in this cabin on his own. He was cold and it was miserable and he was lonely. He was only a very young boy. He opened up that door and found his father in, had walked a couple of kilometres into town and found his father having drinks at the local tavern. And he pulled up beside his father and he says, Dad, Dad. And the father turned around in great astonishment and said, Son, what are you doing here? He said, Dad, I'm sorry. He says, I was hungry and I was lonely. I was cold and I didn't know where you were, so I came looking for you. And he said, Son, how did you find me? He said, Dad, it was really easy. I opened the door and it had been snowing. I put my step into your step and I followed you right here, all the way right here. You see the influence. If your children follow you, where will they go? Will they learn that God is insignificant? Will they learn that God is not much of value or nothing to be pursued, that eternal life is just an add-on to your life? If your children follow you, where will they go? That is the influence that each and every one of us have. And you say, well, it's just my life. But if you're influencing your, go your children to walk away from God, that is insignificant. Will you stand before your children, before the throne of grace and say, I've got this son. I'll, I'll be your defense eternity in the courtroom of heaven. You've got more guts than I have. More guts than I have. If you reject Christ for yourself as a parent, that's okay. But do not reject it on behalf of your children. I believe this generation will be accountable for rejecting Christ on behalf of their children and the parents will be held doubly accountable. To reject Christ for yourself is one thing, but I, it's a warning out there in the spirit. Do not dissuade or put a stumbling stone before children. Let the children come to me, Jesus said. Let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. Because when you shuffle off your mortal coil as a father, your heavenly father will be there for them, or he will be. Your heavenly father is there. And for the orphans, the Bible throughout, the book of Proverbs is always standing beside the orphan who calls upon his name. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, the Lord loves you. He is a loving father. He is a wonderful father. Even though our own, heaven, our own fathers naturally, physically, biologically, I have faults. We all have faults here. We all fall short of the glory of God. Amen? We are all like that. Isn't that a great story, though? It was easy to follow you. All I did was put my step into your step. This was in the snow. And that little boy found his father. You see, your children will follow you, whether you know it or whether you don't. There's another story I heard about 35 years ago. And uh, it was a wonderful story. And uh, there was a very rare bird 
and they found it in a very, very remote land. And uh, they went to the cliff face and down on that cliff face, there was this very, very rare bird's egg and they needed to get it for scientific research. They had very, very limited resources in such a remote and wild place. But at a nearby village, they coerced a young boy and they said, we want to get that very, very rare bird's egg down the face of the cliff. We have got no way of getting it. But what we'd like to do is tie a rope around you and hang you down over the face of the cliff and you can retrieve that very, very rare bird's egg for us. And the young boy said to them very innocently and very beautifully, he said, gentlemen, I will do it for you for nothing. Only you let my daddy hold the rope. Jules, will you come to the keys now? Will you let my daddy hold the rope? Your heavenly father is just like that. And as a son, that young boy, oh, they were two beefy scientist guys and all their resources and people and everything. He said, no, you're not lowering me down that cliff. He said, I don't trust you. I don't know you, but I encourage you to get to know the Father and you can place your life. He is the anchor to your soul and you can hand him the rope that surrounds your life and trust him with your life. Why not place your hands and your future in the man who gave you your life? It's such a beautiful story. God wants to hold the rope of your life today. Stand to your feet if you're comfortable to do so. Just if you're comfortable to do so. Just if you're comfortable to do so. There's people here and, and uh, we're called a living sacrifice, which means we crawl up to the altar of sacrifice sometimes when God touches us. But because we're a living sacrifice, we often crawl off that altar and we say, I'm going to manage my life again. God used to manage my life, but I've, I've just moved away from that. And now I've got on top of things. I don't need him so much. But Daddy God, which is how Jesus addressed his father, going through the worst hours of his 33 years of his earthly ministry. And he called out, Daddy God, please take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And addressing him, he used the terminology of a, of a very, very young infant. And he said, Abba, Father, Daddy God. God wants to hold the rope of your life again. And he says, will you trust me again with your life? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. For those listening online and you don't know Jesus, you don't know what it is to be born again. You don't know what it is to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're managing your own life and we were never designed to manage our own life. We were always managed to submit to a Father God through the person of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you mean it from the depths of your heart, you'll be born again. You'll be transferred from or translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus. 
I come to you now a sinful person. I come to you now a sinful person. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. Wash and cleanse me with your blood. Wash and cleanse me with your blood. I repent of my sin. I repent of my sin. And I receive Jesus. And I receive Jesus. To be the Lord and Savior of my life. To be the Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your power. I thank you, Father, that I am born again. I thank you, Father, that I am born again. Of the Spirit of the Living God. Of the Spirit of the Living God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.